Welcome to the Self Builders Podcast, the podcast that covers everything you need to know to get on the way to building your own house. We're brought to you by Mayflower Mortgage and Finance, the self-building finance specialist in the UK. Each episode, we'll be speaking to self-builders and learning from their challenges so that you can build your own home without making the same mistakes by listening to that conversation. So if you're serious about wanting to build your home and want to hear about the challenges that other self-builders have had who have been there, done that and got the t-shirt, then you're in the right place. Let's get into it. This is the Self-Builders Podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Self Builders Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Taylor. We're brought to you by Mayflower Mortgage and Finance. Today, it's my great pleasure to be having a conversation with Dan Stewart. Dan, how's it going? Yeah, yes, good, thanks. Hi, Sam. Nice to, nice to meet you. Yeah, good. Uh, um, so, Dan, you've, you've been on a bit of a journey yourself. You've uh, completed a self-build, but you're also an architect as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, I'm an architect uh, working in South Devon, um, working with a lot of sort of my clients tend to be residential, so extensions, uh, renovations, and, and one-off houses. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah, stup- stupidly, uh, a few years ago, my wife and I decided to do our own self-build. Um, and it's, it, I mean, said completed it, but we're actually still in the process of building it. Um, yeah, and it's 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 been an interesting journey so far. Uh, it's very, very different doing it myself as an architect uh, than it is uh, for a client, as it were. Right. Okay. In, in in what way? Let's elaborate on that a little bit, because obviously um, having an architect <laughs> is one of the very key principles of people going on this journey. But obviously doing that yourself, tell us a little bit about yeah. that experience. Well, well, why don't we rewind a little bit first? What, what made you think, okay, I'm going to design my own home here. But tell us a little bit about the origin. I, <laughs> I think it's... Um... It's two things really. One, one uh, being an architect, you, you always want to, uh, I think, do your own project. It's always that drive to, to do that uh, and find the opportunity to do that. Uh, the second thing really was about creating a kind of forever home for ourselves, my, for my, my, my wife and their daughter, uh, and just having a bit of uh, security really and stability. Um, so the, the house is um, a passive house, so it's sort of super low energy, um, which we started in 2019 and then the world kicked off um, and the energy crisis and all that sort of stuff. So it's actually quite apt as it were. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, just a drive to kind of improve our lives really. Uh, we, we were living in the, in the center of Plymouth in a, a leaky Edwardian house. Um, as in leaking energy, not leaking water. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And, and just, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as, as a lot of people are, yeah, as a lot of people are um, spending a lot of money on, on energy bills and things. Um, yeah, and we just wanted to kind of improve our lives, really. Um, so yeah, that was a main driver, I think. Passive house. Tell us a little. Tell tell people who may not be familiar with the concept of a passive house what what that constitutes, what that involves. Okay, so it's it's mostly to do with um, energy usage uh, and reducing that down to a bare minimum. Uh, and you do that. It's about other things as well, but the first one, yeah, it's, it's about. Um, the design of the building, the orientation uh, facing south, having sort of effectively large glazed openings to, to use the sunlight uh, to maximise solar gain. Um, but it's, it's principally about the fabric first approach, so having a lot of insulation, making it airtight, 
Um, so you're basically, I think if you think of it as a bucket, you're insulating your bucket and then the less holes you have in the bucket, the less stuff is leaking out. Uh, so it's a fabric first approach. And by doing that fabric first approach, um, it means that all the other stuff can be reduced. So your, your heating requirements are back down to like bare minimum. So for example, for ours, we're not going to put heating in, uh, just because we don't need it. Um, and then your, 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 so your hot water generation can also be lower because you're, you're kind of retaining some heat. You can reuse that in other ways. Um, and it's also about the, the kind of quality of the build as well. So it's, it's, uh, has a ventilation system in it, which, um, uh, recycles the heat that goes out of the property. Um, and it puts back into the incoming air, uh, but it means the incoming air is filtered as well. So it creates a healthier, uh, living environment. So yeah, there's a few things. I'm going a bit blank now as well, but <laughs> no, no, that's, um... that's good. Enough. And did you uh, uh, had you uh, being an architect? Is that something? Were you familiar with passive house before you started your own journey of self build, or was it something that came up in yeah. the exploratory phase? Yeah. So just before I started, I was um, I've been looking at uh, at low energy standards and. So when we when we did our start of our house in uh, our terrace house in Plymouth, we, we renovated it a bit, and I didn't really know about passive house at the time. But I wish I had. Um, and yeah, so re- researching it a bit more, I spoke to some local consultancy firms, um, and basically decided to if I if I did it myself, then I'd learn on the go. It might not be quite right, or it might not be as you know one hundred percent as other people would have done it. But it's kind of the best the, the best way I find of doing things is to learn as I go along um, practically. Um, and I'll make, yeah, I'll make mistakes. Um, but at least it's, it's my house to make mistakes on, if you know what I mean, um, rather than one of my clients. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit safer, but then I suppose you do have your partner to uh, <laughs> be so you better be, better be right. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So how involved were you in the project management side of things? Uh, so I guess, I mean, it, in so, in so much as I've designed it and I've found, or I've been looking for contractors uh, and I found a contractor to work with. Um, that was a kind of a bit of a whittling down process, trying to find people who were specialists in, in passive house or had experience of passive house because um, it demands certain uh, requirements of uh, construction techniques and attention to detail. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of project management, I guess it's, a, it's kind of a, quite a wide, a wide reaching term, but, the management of the project is myself working directly with my contractor. Um, so he's managing the finances. Um, we review those monthly together um, as we go along. Um, and I guess the, the, the other side of things, uh, so the, when, when I started the design of the house and found the plot and all that sort of stuff, the main thing for me was working with my uh, my mortgage provider or self-taught mortgage provider uh, and the brokers. And um, that was actually basically what informed the whole process and managed to uh, enable us to get to where we get to, where we got to, um, sure. by, by being able to build. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and uh, we'll get into, you know, the, the bit that everyone kind of likes to know or, or is front and center. And that's usually around sort of like costings and, uh, uh, and budgets. Talk to me a little <laughs> yeah. bit around the challenges because you, you stated that you, you started back 2019, was it that you, kick this process off was it did yeah you say or okay okay obviously a lot yeah so 2019 yeah yeah years especially cost of materials yeah i mean do, do you want me to give you a bit please yeah i'll give you a bit of a timeline if you like so so 
yeah, 2019, we, we went for a, a long coastal walk, um, ended up in Wembury, uh, where the house is. Um, and then basically walked past this, past this uh, scrappy bit of land and thought, oh, you know, who, who owns that land? Uh, so did my usual thing, a land registry search. Um, and then we wrote to the owners and said to them that we're interested in building a house. Would you be interested in selling? Uh, they said, yep, definitely, because they're sort of retirees. Um, so then that kicked off. I think it was 18 months in total of um, basically getting a legal agreement in place with them, which said, you know, subject to us getting planning, they would sell it to us for X. Um, so that all happened. Uh, it took quite a while to go through solicitors to get all that stuff in place. Uh, but the reason we did that rather than just going ahead with planning is that, it, you know, it protects you to a certain extent because if we hadn't had that agreement in place, we would have spent sort of, I mean, spent about 25 grand getting to planning with all the reports and stuff we needed. And effectively, we get planning, and then their their land triples in value, and you know they don't have to sell it to us. So, so we did all that process, um, got the planning uh, in, got it whilst planning was in, whilst having it costed by uh, contractors uh, and the mortgage providers. Um, got it back, and in that pro- in that timeline, we had COVID. Obviously, we had uh, uh, Ukraine started off as well, and the things you know, material prices changed, labor costs changed. So we had our our first pricing back, and it was twice our budget. I think double our budget. Wow. Um, <laughs> I remember coming coming back from the zoo with my daughter, and I had a phone call from the builder, and I answered it, and then I just sat in the car, with my head in my hand. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so then then we uh, we kind of kicked off a period of redesign, working with the builder, um, again working with mortgage provider to basically change the design, make the building a bit smaller, basically made about a third smaller. Um, and made it made it phaseable as well. So where we could, before it was like one big block, we've made it into two, effectively two blocks, which we can do the main house livable part first, and then we can build another another bit at a later date if we need to. Okay. Um, so yeah, and by doing that, that's kind of reduced our cost down to what we can afford, uh, just about. Um, and now, yeah, we're, we're building it. So we, we started, started on site in, I think, June. Yeah, June this year. Okay. Um, okay. And we're due to com- due to complete in May, unless the weather goes like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It was a, a little bit hardcore down there, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, okay, good, good stuff. So uh, we we've done it in two phases because of the the, the kind of budget requirements and because of everything that happens. Uh, the first stage yeah. is going to be tell me a little bit about sort of stage one and then what you're planning on adding on afterwards. So stage one is uh, effectively a, a 10 by 6 metre box, two-storey box, which is the main house. Um, so it's a three-bedroom house, fairly compact, um, a quite sort of open plan, ground floor, uh, living kitchen, dining space, um, and then utility space and a plant room for all the kind of gubbins I need for the passive house aspect side of things. Um, and then upstairs, uh, just three bedrooms, um, one our bedroom with an ensuite and a family bathroom. So it's that, that's sort of phase one, uh, yeah. and then phase two is a is a is a fourth uh, bedroom slash study area, um, and a garage sort of store area, uh, which is sort of bolted on as a separate block. Um, but that, I think that's probably going to be me doing that <laughs> with my weekends right, okay. and evenings for the next three, four, ten years. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, what, what, what considerations, obviously, as an architect, when I've spoken to other people on this podcast and we, we talk about the relationship with architects, um, one of the main things that seems to shine through is this um, understanding their client's lifestyle in order to almost design a home yeah. around that lifestyle. Um, how did that work for you in terms of having that kind of thought process but having to change because of what had happened externally did, did, did was there many compromises that were have, having to be made or yeah it's, it's 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 been incredibly difficult actually um usually when i when i work for a client i, I say you know, i meet them i don't know half a dozen times before we you know, submit planning and design or, or detailed design and each of those those visits you tend to kind of try and get in their heads and they send you images and you and you have a you know you, you produce a design and you know they're they're happy with it when it's when I'm doing it for myself, I'm thinking about every aspect and every sort of um, knock-on effect of a decision. So you know, oh, it might be nice to put some timber cladding here, and then oh, but that's, that's going to cost me X, Y, and Z, and then you know, that's a labour cost, and then there's also a detail and the cost associated with it. And it's just, it's basically, I think, overthinking it, which is <laughs> you know, it's good for um, for for clients and things, but for for me, it's uh, it's been a challenge. I think I think our uh, our design, I mean, I've got all my iterations saved on the computer, but it's, it's probably in the 30s, I'd imagine, in terms of the numbers of, of sort of designs we went through. And then we were like sort of sitting there looking around, looking on, because we I do it in 3D, so sort of seeing, walking, walking around 3D model and thinking, well, how does that work? Do we actually need that? No, let's pull that off and change it. And I guess the advantage of, of being an architect, I can do that myself and not have to pay someone each time for an iteration. <laughs> so, yeah. So it yeah. is. Um, it's been a better beneficial in some ways and others uh, a complete pain. Yeah. Okay. What what would you what would you tell yourself if you could go back to the start of this process um, and have a chat with yourself before you kick off? And obviously don't <laughs> maybe one of those, but what, what advice would you yeah. give to to to, uh, to Dan in twenty nineteen before we before we get started? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a difficult one. Um I think it's probably the, the, the key one has been budget and not not to get too carried away. Um, I think you know you have these grand 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 designs. Yeah, you go uh, grand designs <laughs> of what you want to do. Um, and yeah, you just have to kind of. I think I think the world's changed a lot in the last three years, and what you can afford to do as well has, has changed dramatically. Um, so I think it's just being realistic. I think I'd, I'd say go back and go back what three years and say to myself, be a bit more realistic bring it back to what you need as a bare minimum. I mean, it depends on your circumstance, but you know, for us, we're, we're in our early 40s. Sort of our, you know, most, most of my clients tend to be in their 60s. Um, you've got cash, we don't have cash. So it's it's just being being realistic, I think. Um, and you know, we, can, we can make improvements over time. We can make additions over time. It's just, yeah, yeah. not getting carried away. Yeah, just, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, you see Which something nice in the magazine, yeah. you think, "Oh, I want, I, I want that." <laughs> yeah, it must be such a difficult thing to kind of rein in because essentially you are almost when you start off this thing, this process, you're almost building like a dream house or an opportunity to build what could be a dream house, and is something quite far away from uh, what the developers can offer. Do I, you know, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, I imagine not getting carried away and almost like keeping yourself in check a little uh, can be quite a challenge yeah. sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, yeah, it's been it's been, I guess, difficult in some ways because you know, the first designs were quite, um, shall I say, you know, quite modern, quite um, quite different. 
from from the standard housing. But now we've sort of because of the I say because of all the things that have happened, we've reduced it down to is basically a a box. Um, but within that box, I think there's quite nice nice little things that we've integrated. So we've got like a little uh, home office which is hidden hidden up behind the staircase. Um, sort of hidden hidden doors here and there, and little little kind of seating areas tucked in places and. Uh, play areas for my daughter and yeah it's just having a bit of fun with it um yeah. even though on the outside it might just look like a standard box it's it's you know it's a bit a bit more interesting internally and did that and was that decision made that innovation that kind of thinking a little bit outside the box based on the fact that you were having to make some changes or were or, or did you always have that in your mind to have secret cubby holes offices here secret doors yeah. here yeah, we yeah we've always wanted the secret things because it's um it kind of harks back to the to our childhoods of uh, being loved around uh, national trust houses and seeing the sort of hidden hidden you know paneled doorways and cubby holes and things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that kind of aspect of you know integrating small things like that was always always a plan. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of overall form. Um, yeah, I mean, the overall form came about mostly because of costings, but also uh, due to construction systems and, and things we were looking at. Okay, good, so, yeah. good. Uh, Dan, obviously you're uh, uh, an architect. How could people get hold of you? If they're listening to this and they're thinking, oh, well, you know, it might be nice to have a chat with Dan around our own self-build, how could they get in touch with you? That's a plug. Uh, so That's I, a plug. I work full-time. Yeah, if you want to give us your website. Yeah, then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I work full-time for a practice in Kingsbridge in South Devon. Uh, it's called Andrew Lethbridge Associates. Um, so, yeah feel free to, to give me a call, look it up and give me a call there. Um, website or not? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, go on. Give us the website. Okay, so your uh, website is uh, www.ala-architecture.co.uk. There we go. Perfect. Happy days. Good stuff. Excellent. Dan, this was this was interesting. It's so interesting to to, to chat to someone when they have everyone seems to have very different challenges and hearing how people overcome those certain challenges is often uh, quite a nice uh, insight into into the, the you know the journey of, of self-build so yeah that's been that's been super helpful uh, uh, one more question how's the relationship okay. with the guys that you bought the land off of um i'm assuming your <laughs> neighbors practically now did how did that all work out or how is that working out well yeah, interesting. They weren't. They weren't. They're not our neighbours. They're um, they well, they still live in the village, but they live further up the village. They bought the site originally to in the eighties to to build a house on, and then uh, couldn't get planning. So, uh, yeah, so sold off them. But, but yeah, basically, I mean, there is there is no relationship as such anymore. Uh, we we paid them a lot of money for the land, <laughs> and and, and yeah. they're uh, they're happy. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's um. It's interesting, yeah. It's 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 we've had a lot of comments because it's gone quite a. It's on the side of a public footpath, so there's um, a lot of people walk past and are always interested in what's going on and what we're building out of. And cause we're using this, uh, we're using a product called Arwall, which is a, a, a insulated concrete formwork ICF. Okay. And it's a, a dark grey, dark grey colour, uh, effectively polystyrene, extruded polystyrene, so it's stronger than the sort of polystyrene you get in TV packaging and stuff. Um, because it's dark grey, everyone keeps commenting on it, saying, "Oh, you're, you're building. Why are you building with solid slate blocks?" I'm, like, I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not. But it's uh, yeah. It's a, it's a very uh, 
one of those sort of modern methods of construction type materials, but it's uh, it's incredibly fast um, to build with. Uh, so we went, we got an Instagram page, uh, which is uh, uh, Birdsong, which is the name of the property, Birdsong uh, underscore self build. Okay. Um, and you can see, if you have a look at the Instagram, you can see from uh, when, when the slab went down uh, and then to the walls going up, it's about a week and a half. It's just insane. Wow. Insanely quick um, and very solid as well. And I think where, I might t- just touch on the ICF quickly. So we, 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 yeah, we, yeah. we um, originally we were going to build up, build, originally we wanted to build up timber frame because of uh, timber being a bit more you know, sustainable, renewable and all that. Um, and then when Ukraine kicked off, it, it had such an effect on timber prices that it was actually more cost effective for us to build out of ICF uh, and concrete. Um, and it was also for the passive house, the concrete is quite good for thermal mass, um, which helps kind of regulate the temperatures internally. Um, stop it getting too hot, too cold. Um, so there's this sort of internal uh, dilemma of, you know, should I change from something that's very ecologically sound, like timber, to effectively plastic and concrete? Uh, but I think in the end, it, it came back to putting aside, putting the architect side of me aside and going to you know, be a client and to say, I want this house. So if I want this house, the only way to afford to, to, afford to do it is to go with the cheaper construction system. Um but yeah, our, our wool's pretty good, and and it's it's the, the polystyrene is manufactured in the UK, um, and the concrete is obviously from the UK. Um, but we use the low carbon concrete, which uses byproducts from the uh, steel industry. Uh, for instead of cement, it uses uh, uh, ground ground ore, as it were. Yeah, we're, even though we we're using sort of, I guess what people would describe as intense carbon products, um, have heavily heavy carbon products we're now we're sort of trying to use them as efficiently as we can and and, and a lot of the actual the ethos of what we're using the, the other materials everything we're trying to we're trying to source everything uk based um so my timber cladding is coming from up near wiltshire um and my internal timber paneling and stuff hopefully coming from a couple of sawmills locally in devon nice. so yeah just trying to try to source things locally as, as much as possible um rather than relying on sort of you know imported Western red cedar or something, or, um, or there's other, other, um, ICF systems, which are made in Canada and, you know, shipping them across, it just seems a bit nuts when we make it here in the UK. So yeah. yeah. And, and, and is it cheaper to buy it onshore, uh, as, as opposed to exporting from, from offshore or will it depend on the product? Um, yeah, it depends on the products, but I'm finding with things like the timber cladding, um, is actually, it's, it's about the same cost. Um, okay. And I, and I think that's probably because of what's happened recently with the, you know, the world. But I actually quite like the timber products, and I've been up to the. There's, um, can I say the name of the sawmill? Yeah, of course. Uh, the supplier. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a company called Vaston Timber. Um, up up in um, something Wiltshire, Wiltshire, uh, near Royal Wood and Bassett, and they, they've um, they're producing uh, some ash for us, which they call brimstone ash. So they kind of bake it, so it bakes out all of the the. Um, the stuff that usually rots or gets eaten by insects and turns it into quite oh. a hard, like almost like a hardwood performing cladding. So it's very. Um, I like the fact it comes from from British woodlands as well. Um, yeah, that's quite a big thing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just you know I quite I, quite, I get a kick out of, these, of that of not having to bring something in from you know, Latvia or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that you know that having that sustainable approach, you almost. Uh, 
not only fits in, you know, if, it, if, if you have got that sustainable state of mind and I imagine people who are doing the old passive houses may be more inclined to, to thinking along those lines than, yeah, using locally sourced yeah. materials that, um, yeah, all fits in together, right? I think I think it's I think it's part of that. It's part of the passive house ethos um, using sort of low carbon materials. But I think it's also a personal choice. Um, I like the fact I like I like to always use local um, suppliers. It's like when you classic go shopping in town. I don't like to go to the chains. You know, go to like yeah. independent shops or independent cafes. And I kind of feel it's a bit like that. If you know what I mean, it's it's I want to use our local industries to help you know strengthen our economy and also. Um, just because I, I like, I, you know, let's say someone, oh, where did that timber cladder come from? Oh, three miles up the road. You know, yeah. you can't get, yeah. you can't get much more local than that, and you can't get much more effectively traditional than that. All, all of our, um, you know, I'm going to architect mode now, but all of our, our local housing stock, all of the, you know, central of our towns and our villages are made from local materials it's, that were sourced literally from a few miles from where they were built. So it's kind of effectively going full circle, isn't it? Back to back to those days. And are you, uh, you know, uh, are you? Is, is there any aspirational plans to think about any sort of on-site generation? Um, you know, as, as, as the years go on, yeah. you're looking at some sort of domestic crowdsource heat pumps, or, or looking along those lines to again look at the sustainable. Yeah, approach. so um, we, we we had quite a big, uh, quite a lot of research into it. So um, originally, I wanted to go for ground source. Uh, and going back to what I said right at the start about the, the fabric approach, because of the um, it's so well insulated, the requirements for a ground source heat pump are so low. So typically for a, I think the, the uh, ground source heat pump supply quote has said, uh, for a three-bedroom house, you might need three piles or loops, a total of about 180 metres long um, for the ground source. But because our heat load was so low for our three-bedroom house, we only need one that was 40 metres long. Ah. And because you're paying per metre, it actually worked out to be more cost-effective. So it was actually quite cost-effective to do a borehole and to do the ground source heat pump kit. The reason we didn't go for it in the end is because all of the kind of the gump that goes with it uh, for the accreditation to get the kind of uh, the grants and things you need, it just turned into such a faff um, uh, in terms of additional costs. So the actual borehole was fine. That was like a couple of grand. The... the, the um, the, the, the unit itself that does the pumping that was a couple of grand but then everything else on top was like it sort of suddenly added up to like 15 grand and i just couldn't work out and oh. understand why um i think at the end of the day it comes down to it's a bit like uh, when you know double glazing was introduced a few people do it and they kind of charge a premium for it yeah. um yeah. so yeah we, sw- we switched back to uh, an air source heat pump and again because they, the load is so low we've got very small uh, like the smallest heat pumps you can get, sort of around three, four kilowatts. Um, and then that will be uh, obviously electrically powered um, and feeding hot water into our, our cylinder. Um, so that will do all of our hot water for showering and, and uh, um, taps and things. Uh, and then we'll have a, uh, what's going to have? Oh, so we'll have PV on the roof. So we're having a solar, solar panel array on the roof. It's um, south facing. That was one of the, key aspects of the design is a, a self-facing pitched roof um so have a sort of five kilowatt array on the roof which is then providing power to the air source um to a battery storage system as well so i can then use the, the, the stored energy during the day to heat the to power the heat pump at night and, and so on um yeah so super energy efficient yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, um, yeah. yeah actually the, the air source heat pump as well which 
the thing I, I thought the air source. So um, everyone always bangs on about air sources and the cost of them and all that sort of stuff and how they don't compare to gas. And there's quite a lot of trolling on the internet when you look at Facebook and things about it. But right. um, with our air source, we can uh, we we can connect effectively a heating circuit from it into our ventilation system. So our incoming air can be preheated, not not to like super hot, but just enough to kind of bring it up a level. So we can heat the incoming air. But also with an air source heat pump, what you can do is you can run it in reverse. So you can use it for cooling as well. Right, so we can run okay. cool water through it and then we can cool our air. So in the, in the summer when it starts to get, if it gets starts to get too hot, I mean, it shouldn't do because of the way the passage is designed. But if, you know, temperatures in the world rocket, then we've got the ability to cool the house slightly using the kit that we've got installed. And obviously, right. you can't use a gas boiler to, to cool your house. <laughs> so, um, there are other there are <laughs> there are other advantages to the to the kit rather than just um, yeah. It's not it's not the same kind of comparing like for like comparing an air source heat pump to a or a ground source heat pump to a to a gas boiler. Yeah, I no, love that. Love that. So, if people want to follow along the journey, they can go onto Instagram and it's Birdsong hyphen self build. Is that right? Uh, Birdsong underscore self build underscore self but making a note of this myself so i can go and check it out and then if they wanted to come check you out as an architect they can uh the, the name of the company once more was andrew leftbridge associates in kingsbridge excellent that this has been super interesting um yeah really good to hear your story and thank you so much for sharing it uh, with us um yeah loads of value to be taken out of that for our listeners so Really appreciate your time today. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah, no problem. That's great. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.